Hello, have you ever wondered whether the Thanksgiving story is really true or not? Well, stay tuned to All Things Apostolic. You are fixing to find out that it is true. Welcome to All Things Apostolic here on this great and wonderful Thanksgiving Day 2023. And welcome into the All Things Apostolic studio with me today. As you can see, our studio is much expanded because I'm actually standing in the sanctuary of the Rock Church in Elk Grove in the Sacramento area of California. And it is the Thanksgiving Eve service for the Rock Church. So we decided to combine the two actually with pastor's idea to do this, Pastor Young, and so we are happy to do it. I promised you all week that I'm going to read to you the Thanksgiving story, and so we're going to do that tonight. One of the reasons we're reading this is because there is a lot of people that have said in our day when everything is being torn down and everything is being destroyed and nothing has any honor anymore— uh, in the midst of all that, people have said, well, the Thanksgiving story's not even real. There wasn't even a Thanksgiving meal. The Indians and the white people never got together for any meal like that. That's all a bunch of stuff that was myths that was just put together to try to bring unity. Well, today you're going to hear the truth about this. And you're going to hear the truth as it was recorded by the only record of an eyewitness that was there on Thanksgiving Day in 1621. That's 402 years ago. What I'm reading to you is the account that is written by the man that was there. It's the only account there is. The words that he wrote about the Thanksgiving Day are only 115 words. That's all that's written about Thanksgiving Day. But tonight, you're going to get to hear, or if it's tomorrow, you're going to get to hear what he wrote about Thanksgiving Day. Here we go. There's only one existing eyewitness account of the first Thanksgiving in America. The year was 1620. Europe was dominated by either Catholicism or state-run churches. Emerging in numerous places, however, was revolt against, at that time, dead and corrupt institutional church, and there was a deep quest for the realities found in authentic New Testament Christianity. As a result of this, discontented groups who increasingly moved closer to primitive original Christianity became targeted by authorities with increasingly severe persecution. A particular group of the persecuted, who became known as the Puritans, decided to flee. They could take it no longer. They departed from their homeland at Plymouth, England, aboard a little ship called the Mayflower. The ship was small and it was leaky and they had not accounted for how harrowing the voyage would become. The whole group 
came near to death while at sea in the leaky little ship. Nevertheless, they finally made it and arrived several months later at what became to be known as Plymouth Harbor in late December. It was bitter cold and the New England coast, even to our day, always dark and cold in winter, was exceedingly so this particular winter. They did not know, of course, at the time that they were there, but the group landed in the middle of what has been identified in history as the Little Ice Age, a 500-year space of extreme cold weather, particularly in that area. However, they were careful not to become hasty and lose all control of their destiny. They spent a full month exploring Cape Cod before deciding on where to stay. The sheer boldness and audacity of what they were attempting was overwhelming. On the hill, which overlooks Plymouth Harbor, if you were there today, there stands a tomb which has this written on it. History records no nobler venture for faith and freedom than that of this pilgrim band that landed here. But it was anything except easy upon arrival. The hill before them became the very hill where the settlers buried their many dead in that very first winter in this strange new world. Lack of housing, no shelter, lack of heat, extreme cold, wet weather, malnutrition, pneumonia, and scurvy all likely contributed to the fatality rate. People died daily. History records that there were 102 that came on the ship. Only 52 of them survived the first year after landing. Their small ship returned to England with half of its crew only, remaining after losing the other half to death. The year was 1621. One of the pilgrims was 24-year-old Edward Winslow. He had been a printer when he left England first and went to Holland to live among the pilgrims later called Puritans. Boarding the Mayflower with his wife Elizabeth, they bravely set sail for America, along with the others. Shortly after arriving on March 24th, Elizabeth Winslow was among the first to die in the frozen winter conditions. Another young lady, Susanna White, likewise lost her husband almost immediately. And on May the 12th, the first wedding took place in the new colony in which Edward Winslow married Susanna White. Within a year, they were bearing children. The pilgrims met native Indians and Edward Winslow became acquainted with two Indians, one named Samsoset and the other Squanto, who spoke English, which they had learned from fishing boats, which fished off the New England coast. Squanto introduced the young Winslow to their chief, a positive and neighborly relationship was established between the new arrivers and the Indians. When the pilgrims began planting crops, the natives, the Indian tribe, the, I don't know if I can pronounce this or not, Wampanoags, joined in and helped the uh, uh, new arrivals 
plant their crops. That first autumn, they saw an abundant harvest. Working together, the relationship between the Indians and the pilgrims grew strong. And the report was that, quote, the Indians are faithful in their covenant of peace with us. Winslow was the guy that wrote that. We often go with them and they come to us. He revealed that he and others had been 50 miles into the interior of the land with the Indians. He further explained that we entertained them familiarly in our houses and they as friendly bestowing their venison upon us. The appreciation for one another between the Indians and the pilgrims became evident when there was an enormous harvest and consequently an enormous harvest celebration feast after the autumn harvest at which the Indians vastly outnumbered the pilgrims. It was again Edward Winslow who described the first Thanksgiving in just 115 words. Winslow wrote, our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling. Fowling means hunting birds. That so we might after have a special manner rejoice together after the labors. They, these four men in one day killed as much fowl, as many birds as with a little help besides served the company almost a week at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised ourselves with the Indians coming amongst us. And among the rest, their greatest king, Massasoit, with some 90 men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted. And they killed five deer. So if there's 90 men, there were probably 90 women and probably 90 children. So the Indians far outnumbered the new arrivers. And they killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor. We learned from and upon the captain and other. The celebrants ate fowl and venison. The harvest included corn, among other fruits and vegetables. Nine years later in 1630, we learned from the first governor, William Bradford's history, that at least some of the fowl was wild turkey. Got it. Winslow seemed to realize that this feast should be eaten with Thanksgiving because the harvest may not always be so plentiful as it was that first Thanksgiving as he wrote in a letter back home, by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you were here to be with us to partake of our plenty. In one growing season, the pilgrims had gone from virtual starvation to overflowing blessing. And for this, they gave thanks.